Greetings, and welcome to the Recombobulation Area. Thank you for joining us. My name is Dan Schaefer, and I am the founder of the Recombobulation Area, a weekly column and online publication covering news and politics in Milwaukee and Wisconsin. One of the most important pieces of legislation impacting Milwaukee and Wisconsin is currently working its way through the Capitol in Madison. That is the Bill on Shared Revenue and the relationship between state government and local government in Wisconsin. The bill introduced by Assembly Republicans is big and messy and complicated and approaches change to the state's broken shared revenue system very differently than what Governor Tony Evers proposed as part of his budget earlier this year. At the Recombobulation Area, we've been working on learning more about this bill and what it would mean, and Marquette Professor Phil Rocco has now written three installments of a series breaking down the bill and how things would change for local communities across Wisconsin. He joins us today on the podcast. Phil, welcome to the Recombobulation Area. Always good to be with you, Dan. I think this is a first for uh, my appearance on the uh, the podcast in the home version of uh, Recombobulation Area. Yeah, that's right. Regular contributor now uh, at yes. the Recombobulation Area over the last couple of years, and yeah. now sitting in person for a podcast. I've recorded a number of podcasts over Zoom, but we're here at your at your office at Marquette. And you can hear the the melodious whine of I ninety four if you listen close enough <laughs> on the tape. Uh, that, what messages some, does it hold? Some good white noise for mm. us in the in, in the background yeah, here. Right. Um, so we're here to talk about the shared revenue bill, and we are we should probably mention that we're recording this on Thursday morning uh, because things are very much in flux with this bill. There's been a lot of uh, confusion and changes and, and questions and what have you. Uh, and this is moving pretty fast in the state legislature. And there was a report just about an hour ago uh, from Associated Press reporter Scott Bauer, who tweeted that the much belly, I'm quoting here, the much ballyhooed shared revenue bill uh, is up for a committee vote today. Governor Evers promised to veto it in its current form, making changes likely. No amendments have yet been filed, but there could be everything from a wholesale replacement of the bill today in committee to, well, nothing. Uh, that's the tweet from Scott Bauer. So so there's a lot happening. There's a lot we're trying to figure out with this. This, uh, this is a big, huge, important bill. Uh, you've written now three pieces breaking it down. Uh, but I think, you know, we are, we're headed towards uh, a, a very uncertain few days, I think, for this bill uh, as it heads towards some sort of a vote in the state assembly. Yeah, and it's uncertain for, for a number of reasons. One, there's the question of what actually is going to be in it. But the other question is, I think, you know, what are the effects of the bill going to be, right? I, you know, this is a, a long, for, for, for Wisconsin, right, it's not one of those massive, you know, congressional pieces of legislation that's like thousands and thousands of pages long, but it's a long bill for Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And there are huge distributional um, impacts uh, of, of the legislation, right? right? Uh, impacts on uh, uh, the ability of municipalities and, and, and counties to, to raise revenue and to like fund their services. Um, and there needs to sort of be careful analysis of kind of what that would mean. But then there's also the impact of all of these other uh, provisions, right? The, the Republican bill is, is distinctive, I think, in, in, in a variety of ways, or distinct from uh, Evers' proposal in a variety of ways. But one of the ways is like it does a lot of things that are not just like updating the old shared revenue formula and kind of bringing it into the current day. There's all of these sort of um, 
I guess you could say bells and whistles, right. uh, attached to it. Strings and attached. Strings attached, right, in, in the classic kind of formulation. And uh, those strings are also going to have impacts on local governments. I'm even thinking about the requirement for uh, Milwaukee Public Schools to have a certain number of sworn officers, mm-hmm. um, you know, like in the school buildings, right? There was just an analysis out I think from MPS itself saying like here's how many millions of additional costs that would be uh, over you know this this time horizon and these are things that like anytime you're you're imposing mandates uh, on local governments in addition to like giving them aid there are costs of those and you got to think about kind of what those what those are as well. Yeah. So the differences between Evers' proposal and the Assembly Republicans' proposal is something you've gotten really deep into in a couple of these pieces you've written at the Recombobulation area. Um, you know, Evers' proposal, I think the broad strokes of it are that Evers' proposal gives more money and fewer strings attached uh, for these local municipalities. And I think, you know, we, we so often hear the rhetoric from uh, Republicans that they are the party of local control. Well, I think those of us in Milwaukee know that's not really the case. When it comes to Milwaukee, they always want to kind of imprint uh, their, you know, their policies onto Milwaukee in a lot of ways. So many of the policies that they make at the state level, Milwaukee is downstream of those because in many ways, Milwaukee has one of the lowest levels of local control of any municipality of its size anywhere in the country. So it doesn't have the opportunity to, you know, raise its sales tax. There are strict limits on property taxes. Uh, and there are all these different ways that, you know, that require state action for for the city to, uh, for the city and county uh, to be able to make its own decisions. Yeah, and that's actually, I think it's important to have that as the context for shared revenue itself, because right. if you go back you know, over a hundred years to like when shared revenue began, you see what the program is. I think it's often misconceptualized as like a gift that the state Mm -hmm. is nice and we're going to give this money to local governments. But if you go back to 1911, what the state was doing when it created the, the system is it said, look, we're now creating the income tax. So we're preempting local governments. We're saying you can't levy that tax. Only we can. Later on, the state adopts a sales tax. They also say, by the way, local governments, you can't uh, get this is going to be for us, mm-hmm. and then at the same time that they create the income tax back in 1911, they also exempt all of these forms of property from taxation as kind of a trade-off. So what they're doing when they're setting up the shared revenues, they're saying, look, we're going to rationally kind of manage this source of revenue for local governments because, in part, like property taxes. If you go back to history, is like they're the hardest form of taxes to collect. It's a mess. It was very corrupt, you know, especially in the 19th century. And so, like, this is a, it's not a gift, it's like this trade-off, mm-hmm. right? The state is going to take over more sources of revenue, but it's going to give them back. And initially it was like a return-to-source uh, idea. Then it, by the 1970s, there was this idea of tax-based equalization. But the idea is that, like, the state holds a lot of power, mm-hmm. right? And it holds power over these entities called local governments, municipalities, and counties, that are like the economic engines of the state. And so the question is, like, when you're making policy that affects those engines, you're effectively, it's going to have a blowback effect, whatever you do, on the quality of the state's economy. So Mm -hmm. so it's like, that's, to me, that's like the context. This is not like a a decision about like a gift, although I think it's sort of become seen that way because since 2003, the state's just decided 
we're not going to update this. Yeah, that's a big part of it, too. So, like, basically since 2003, shared revenue going back to municipalities has been flat. Yes. And I think that, you know... You know that there there was reasons for that in a number of, of ways. You know, kind of through the Great Recession and all that, but it, it did come a lot through the austerity politics of the Scott Walker Robin Voss era that came after the 2010 election. So they really uh, stagnated the shared revenue going back to municipalities, and even under you know Republican rule in like the latter part of the 2010s, that there was still uh, you know you, you still had more than 200. 50 municipalities across the state effectively defunding their police before defund the police became a thing in 2020 because they were getting so little local revenue. And so I think that this is just a problem that has been going on for so long. And I think it has been painted as this Milwaukee problem because things are so magnified here. But it really is a problem that impacts every municipality, large or small, red or blue, every corner, urban or rural, every corner of the state is impacted by this stagnation in shared revenue. And I think we've gotten to this point finally where we recognize that, that something has to happen. Yeah, some, you know, something big. Right. right. And because it, to put this in context, right, were the old formula updated for inflation today, total counties and municipalities, you'd have to add about 800 ish million to the budget. Evers legislation adds about 576 and Republicans adds about 227. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of see like that's not just differences in scale. That's going to mean really big differences on the local level in terms of whether or not this yeah. is going to like in, in policy analysis terms, we would say hit the target, mm-hmm. right? Do the thing that you're promising the thing can do. And I think because of, I, I think there's actually an argument to be made that neither bill, neither proposal goes far enough to, to fund local government too. Because Evers, you know, it's, I think it's, you, you've really broken down kind of the formula for, you know, uh, municipalities under 5,000 population, the 5,000 to 30,000 population, and then the over 30,000 yeah, population. that's the breakdown that is made in yeah. the Republican bill. That's the breakdown in the Republican bill. But but I think overall, you know, I think there's an argument to be made that, that the Evers bill doesn't go far enough. The Evers proposal, which was part of the budget, I'm getting, right. there's a lot of complications yes. here, and we want to make sure we're getting this right. Uh, but I, don't, I think there's an argument to be made that that, bill, that proposal doesn't go far enough either. Yeah, just in you know, just if we're thinking about like in raw number terms, it's yeah. still it's still kind of a little bit under, uh, you know, where it would have been. But in, in terms of like municipalities, it comes closer to hitting right. the target. And the other thing that it, it does, and I think this is one difference between the two bills that has not got a lot of attention, is sales tax. Mm-hmm. So under Evers' proposal, it's not just that Milwaukee and Milwaukee County would get access to a sales tax, municipalities. Uh, over a certain population threshold, I think it's 30,000, mm-hmm. would also be able to have a referendum for a sales tax. So so that's another kind of piece of this as well that I think is is really different, uh, aside from all of the, the kind of strings uh, in, the, in the Republican bill. There's also that option that Evers envisioned for like a, a sales tax. Now, maybe that was just like part of a wish list. Yeah. Right? That's just like his sort of dream idea for a policy. But it would actually, if, if communities could... Uh, at least have that referendum, that would be a big change in the state's 
revenue system for sure. Right, and it's not the first time he's proposed reforming the the sales tax arrangement either. I think he proposed this a couple of years ago as part of his 2011 or 2021 budget uh, as well. So you know, this is this is not an the changing the way that sales tax works in Wisconsin is not a new idea. And, and it would actually bring Wisconsin into line with a lot of other states that, you know, sometimes you look at other states and you're like, wow, they don't have as much shared revenue to their communities. And they're like, oh, their communities also have access to a variety of tax sources. Like in Ohio, uh, a lot of cities can levy an income tax too, like Cleveland levies mm-hmm. an income tax. So like that's one thing that, that, that makes Wisconsin really distinctive. And it's in part why, in order to hit the target right now, shared revenue does have to be above a certain threshold because communities don't, you know, other than property tax and fines and fees, frankly, yeah. you know, th- there's not a lot of other options. Or other water than, bills. Or, or water other, bills, you, you know, know different like stuff th- like that. That's, yeah. That is a real constraint that a lot of cities in other states do not face. Yeah. Milwaukee is, is certainly unique uh, in oh, a yes. lot of ways. Yes. With that. Uh, and so I think one of the other big pieces of larger context that I think really matters with this discussion is the fact that we have a $7 billion surplus at the state level. So throughout the Walker-Voss era in Wisconsin, they have consolidated a whole lot of power in the state legislature. They've also consolidated a whole lot of money in the state legislature. And I think you've seen that in the last few election cycles, even, you know, kind of like the spring uh, you know, ostensibly nonpartisan election cycles where we have a lot of communities that have had to go to referenda uh, to for things for local government, for things for their schools, different things like that, because the state government has amassed this surplus. And I think you can make the argument that it has amassed this kind of on the backs of local government by defunding local government, by, by failing to, you know, index the shared revenue to inflation, all these different kinds of things. That's, that's a big reason why this, the surplus is as large as it is. Right. And so that's why now is the perfect time to address this. And in his campaign last year, uh, Tony Evers said in the, in the loan debate that they had in the gubernatorial campaign that reforming shared revenue would be his top priority coming into the year. Uh, and you know, obviously he put his proposal out with the budget. Obviously this stuff is working through the Capitol right now. But I think one of the biggest factors uh, that's been happening as this as the sausage gets made here is that Tony Evers has threatened to veto the Assembly Republicans bill in its current form. Right. And and I think what Evers said was, you know, it's not at the, the I think in terms of why he, he said he would veto it, I think he mentioned the size was sort of not adequate. Mm-hmm. And then he said all of the, the strings and conditions, you know, they're too, too onerous. So it's, it's unclear. You know, I think the big question about a veto, right, is, uh, is, it, is it a credible threat? Mm-hmm. And what is the uh, kind of minimum uh, scope of, of the changes that, that Evers would see before he would sign uh, the bill and and I haven't seen any reporting on that. Uh, have you? I've you know no no. I've been trying like, to find out more on my own too. Just just talking to people and all that. And it, you know, I think generally, you know, best of my understanding is it's it's just kind of the the broad strokes that we've been talking about. So it's it's more money for minute for uh, you know across the board. And I think in particular some of the mid sized cities that are that are kind of getting shortchanged in particular uh, in this bill. 
one wants to see more money for, and I think just fewer regulations on local government. And I think that's what we're seeing, you know, from a lot of statements from uh, legislative Democrats who are in the minority party and, and can only do so much in this issue, but they want, you know, this bill to have fewer of these restrictions and regulations uh, on local government. Obviously, a lot of them are on Milwaukee. You mentioned the, uh, you know, the police in uh, Milwaukee Public Schools. There's also restrictions on how much the city could uh, commit to, you know, expanding the streetcar if they wanted to, how much the city would uh, be able to retain the kind of c- civilian oversight of the Fire and Police, Police Commission, Commission. It, which it I think is a really big entirely, deal. Yeah. Uh, basically just completely upends how the Fire and Police Commission works in Milwaukee. And I think you, you mentioned this in one of you, I, th- I think maybe you were the first person to write about this, but just the fact that um, there are, it, it, it almost reinstitutes a quota system for arrests and police funding. Yeah, there's the, and this, by the way, applies to uh, basically all uh, uh, cities, uh, towns, and villages above a certain size. I think the population threshold is like maybe 10,000. Sure. Um, but the, uh, the idea would be that uh, in exchange for accepting this additional aid, not only is the aid purpose restricted to fire, EMS, and police, mm-hmm. so you can't use it for any general purposes, right. um, the, you would have to spend no less than you did on uh, police fire EMS in the prior year. And then there's some other criteria you'd have to meet it well, which sort of read to me like a wish list. So it's like, not only do you have to uh, uh, spend as much, but then you can meet the criteria in other ways. Like you have the same number of moving violations or like the same number of arrests, which is like, that's like, there's there's a sort of, I don't know, sort of my cousin Vinny uh, quality to that. It's like, well, <laughs> we have this like, you know, arrest quota or something, but that it, it turns out actually does violate another Wisconsin law. But I think even if you were to just have the, um, you know, the, the requirement that you would have, like, police at a higher threshold, probably the, it would be the case that you would simply make more arrests because you have more police you're putting out there, right. including, like, fairly small communities right. uh, w- would get this kind of awesome increase in the police force. Um, and so there's just, there's just, like, a weird aspect to that side of the policy um, that uh, is saying, look, we want you... The problem, I think Republicans would say, like, is that local governments are not, like, fiscally responsible... And there's this whole other section of the bill, which is, you know, this innovation fund. This is $300 million. $300 million innovation fund. About Can, can I highlight something about that? Yeah, sure. That $300 million innovation fund, that is larger than the entirety of the new aid that yeah. Republicans, in Republicans yeah. bill. And to highlight, what is that fund for? It's for proposals where governments would have to certify that they're going to outsource some services mm-hmm. and certify that that would reduce... Uh, expenditures. Now, here's the wrinkle in that. A lot of the public administration literature tells us that outsourcing does not in the long term reduce uh, expenditures. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you now have to be managing a network of contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, contracts which can easily go over budgets. Contracts where you don't have tacit local knowledge. So you have to like retrain people. It's like that sort of idea like really does belie a lot of what we know about how outsourcing works but the bigger point about it is that's larger in dollar terms than right. the entirety of the aid the new aid that I know. the it's, local it's, governments it's pretty wild it's it's almost like it's creating greater bureaucracy for 
for all of this than actually just just give the communities the money. We don't have to go. Th- but I think there are some there are some opportunities for consolidation. I think in a number of sure, services yeah. like in Milwaukee County, not every single municipality needs their own individual fire department. You could. Maybe share one with the village of Whitefish Bay and village of River Hills or something like that. There's opportunities like oh, that yeah. that are there. Um, but the fact and that there, it's... And a, that's actually a case in which there is a lot more evidence on cost savings and efficiencies uh, right. from consolidation, right? Absolutely. Like waste removal, right. water, all of that. You know, there, Just there's overall streamlining. Overall of, streamlining, of yeah. Like that, that yeah. There's, there's actually evidence on that. But the, um, but the, the thing about the size is really... You have to ask yourself the question, like, what's the policy analysis here? Right. Right. Like, why should that fund, which is, by the way, discretionary, like, you know, essentially right. the state is then going to be picking and choosing kind of like which projects wash. I mean, that's that's rather than like trusting local governments to be able to uh, kind of administer this. This is a much bigger, I think, the way that it's often portrayed. And it is true that the Republican bill has less money in it for local governments than Evers, but it's also a substantively different, I think, philosophy mm. about what the relationship between the state and local government should be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the under the old idea, it's like, we're the state, we've preempted all these revenues, and now, really as a consequence of that, because we know local governments are kind of like the lifeblood of, of, of our state, we're gonna give them back that money and trust that they can you know, administer it. This basically says, we don't trust them mm-hmm. at all. Uh, we're going to give them less money that they can do things with. And then for the rest of it, they're going to have to come to us and basically try to get money for downsizing themselves, sometimes in ways that might not even re- result in cost savings, right. which is interesting. Well, and I think so much of the, so many of these restrictions that we're seeing, especially around Milwaukee, are these just kind of talk radio, oh, it's red culture meat. war, red meat arguments. And I think I saw, you know, some of the coverage from talk radio. I think, you know, Dan O'Donnell had a piece about it on his radio show and he tweeted it out saying basically the, the design of the bill was to kind of try to save liberal, liberal cities from themselves. So it's just kind of saving, you know, putting up these guardrails so that they can't spend on, you know, they can't spend on the streetcar, which has been, you know, decade long point of contention with uh, conservatives in the Milwaukee media market, even though it's a fairly small public works project that takes up less than a half a percent of the city's annual budget. Like, so, you know, it's it's all of these kinds of things that, that have been drummed up by conservative media, the, the school resource officers, uh, the, you know, defund the police arguments, all these different things. It's it's just, it's really playing to that talk radio culture war type of crowd and trying to, you know, and I think we're seeing this in a couple, there was a story that I saw out of uh, NPR about Missouri doing this as well, about their local government and talking about how they're just trying to use the state government to impart these anti-wokeness type of policies on on large democratic cities. Right. And there is this asymmetric part of, of, of the bill, right? The Republicans bill, they've got all these provisions, which only apply to class one cities, meaning, meaning Milwaukee, it's just Milwaukee and then counties yeah. that have class one cities. And then so it's Milwaukee it's County. Just Milwaukee. So, yeah. so yeah, th- there is that. And it's particularly punitive. And I think that's where it reaches into not just like what you can spend money on and, you know, the, the police quota and that sort of thing. 
it's also like, by the way, now when you pass budgets, you have to have a two-thirds vote at, at city and county. Mm-hmm. There's a supermajority requirement, which is, you know, probably wouldn't be that hard, I would imagine, for like city to me. There's a lot of unanimous votes on common council. Right. But county is a different, is a slightly different story. County's weird, and um, I mean it's bigger, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's more, I think, more politically uh, diverse. Diverse for sure, and, and that would really be significant. And that's not just a change of like how you can spend the money. That's a change of like democratic process. Yeah, and like a core function of, of local democracy. And so, I mean, I think that uh, like that's that's more worrisome uh, for Milwaukee County. But then you know the thing about it is like this image of the trade-off really being between the big city, mm-hmm. right, and the rest of the state really belies the role that some of these restrictions are going to have, like, even in smaller uh, towns, yes. right? And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I think that it's the the myth is that it's like a D versus R kind of effect. But in reality, like, you know, a lot of, I mean, you can, you can just look at who does better uh, under the different provisions and, like, Republican, uh, medium-sized Republican cities also do better under Evers provision, including uh, cities that are the hometowns of people in the Republican leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do better under Evers provision than under Republicans, although uh, they do a lot better under each proposal, whereas Democrats' uh, hometowns, Democratic leaders' hometowns only seem to do better and do far worse under the um, Republican bill, but... But, uh, but yeah, I think that there are fiscal effects that are felt kind of regardless of, of like, who's in control of local government. Yeah. So just to reiterate that point, this is a, a bill that impacts every municipality in the state. Every municipality in the state and county. county in the state has, it has basically recognized that the current formula is broken. Never mind who broke it. Never mind who, uh, you know, who has been defunding it over the past bygones decade plus here. Let, let's put yeah. that in the past. Uh, but I think, you know, let's talk about some of the Milwaukee-specific things, and in particular the sales tax. Yeah. Because I think that is a huge part of that, and it is something that, you know, Milwaukee leaders have been pushing for for quite some time. That's right. Um, so this bill would basically, and, and you might have to help me out with some of the numbers here, but basically this bill would allow bill for the Republican yes. bill. Yes, the Republican bill would allow for the city of Milwaukee to raise its sales tax after a referendum, and that sales tax would be specifically tied to paying off some of the pension obligations for and, the city. And public safety. And public safety. So you could use it, yeah, so Milwaukee, it's a 2%. Up to 2%, there could be a referendum on that. 2% increase of the sales tax. Of the tax. sales tax. And then... For the city uh, for the specifically. City specifically yeah. Right. And then uh, that can only be used for uh, unfunded, uh, accrued liabilities. Uh, so this pension, so the basically. So yeah. And then, um, you know, which is not nothing, right? That's Huge that's significant. Deal. Huge, huge deal. Um, and uh, then and public safety. Now... The county can also levy a new uh, additional sales tax. I think it's 0.0375%. Right, Much yeah. smaller. Also has to go to referendum and also has the same restrictions on it. Okay. The difference with Evers, it's it's slightly different. So I think under Evers' proposal, uh, the county can levy a 1% increase. Yeah. And then has to share half of that with the city. Right. And it's unrestricted. 
Right. Uh, so it just goes into the general purpose so, budget. So what that yeah. would mean, right? I mean, in all likelihood, um, you know, the city would be using that to pay off, you know, the the pension obligations. But the the, the difference, though, is that once those obligations are paid off, mm-hmm. it's not as if the purpose would be like the city could continue to use that new revenue source mm-hmm. uh, in perpetuity, right? Um, which would probably shore up the city's finances for the long term. Yes. Uh, could allow for a lot of important development uh, to occur. That's that's uh, hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Exactly. Yes. Right. It's it's a big, big difference. Um, and it's so again, it's not like the you know a two percent sales tax that, that helps to wipe out some of that pension debt is nothing, but it it it's like the difference between like fixing a political problem that will exist for the next few years, and fixing a political problem that's like a liquidity problem that the state has created by not giving local governments mm-hmm. access to these different like basically a balanced mix of revenue sources for the long term. Right. There's a, there's like a structural deficit that the city's <laughs> yeah. facing that is almost the exact amount of that that. Uh, of the shared revenue that the city would be getting if it were indexed to inflation. It's about $150 million. Right, right. Exactly. Um, and so just to rewind a little bit on where things have been over the past few years with this sales tax issue. So in 2017, Tom, Mayor, former Mayor Tom Barrett, current current ambassador to Luxembourg, uh, Tom Barrett, hope he's doing well over there. Luxembourg's uh, negotiating a big space treaty. I think there's, there's seriously, some, yeah, I think there's, yeah, so I mean, you know, it's quite possible that uh, you know, <laughs> Barrett's in really the mix important. for that. Yeah, uh, amazing. Um, but he uh, he proposed in 2017 to raise the sales tax to po- to pay for police and fire. That didn't really kind of get anywhere, but I think it just is an interesting thing to look back on, you know, considering that the types of requirements that that Republicans are putting on the bill to say to pay for police and fire. This is something the former mayor that they hated was proposing for years. So just just in a funny uh, kind of ironic twist there. Right. Uh, and so but I think this this push for the sales tax at particularly at the county level really began in earnest in kind of 2018-19 under when Chris Abley was county executive and Theo Lipscomb uh, became the board chair. And so they kind of, the board and Abley were at each other's throats for years throughout the 2010s. But they kind of reached this point where they realized, we can't really cut anymore. We need some sort of revenue solution. We need to go to the state. So they started having these committees called the Fair Deal. And the Fair Deal essentially was pitching to raise the sales tax for the county uh, you know, up to 1% to pay for a variety of county services that were facing, you know, kind of a fiscal cliffs. We're talking about parks, transit, senior services, other emergency services, um, and, and basically everything that's not just like straight up mandated by the state. Right. And so they, you know, you know, other capital projects that have been delayed, the safety building, the courthouse, there's tons of stuff the domes, the museum, you know, the, at the time there were all these different county projects that were kind of uh, coming to a head there. And they had these discussions, the, the leaders who had been at each other's throats for years kind of put that aside, formed this coalition, you know, with the MMAC, with the Greater Milwaukee community, the business community was on board. They pitched the state in 2019 saying, you know, this, this broad coalition wants to raise the sales tax, wants to be able to pay for, you know, county services, avoid this fiscal cliff. The state says no. Robin Voss says no. 
And again, in you know, in the run up to 2021, the same the same dynamic kind of played out, where you had you know new leadership of the county. David Crowley was elected right. in 2020, uh, but he was kind of you know he was endorsed by Abley. He was definitely made it a priority that addressing this long term fiscal issues for the county was a priority. And raising the sales tax was a way to do that. The sales tax is a type of thing that's going to matter a lot more for the county than the city, uh, just the way that, that the shared revenue has been structured, going more towards municipalities than to counties in, traditionally. Uh, and so they go through that process. And again, in 2021, Robin Voss, in a, in a Zoom meeting, says this is never no going way. to happen. Yeah. No way. No chance this is ever going to happen. Uh, it is kind of happening right now, not in the way that anyone envisioned, but I think, you know, under the leadership of David Crowley and at the city level with Mayor Cavalier Johnson, new leadership provided this reset in the yeah. city. Uh, they wanted to change the relationship they had with state government. They both campaigned on that issue, and they really have seen a lot of changes with the way that the state and Milwaukee has relationship has operated. There's a lot more conversation. There's a lot more negotiation. There's back and forth. It's still not producing the result that maybe that they had intended when this process started, but there is progress. So we've gone from never to something, even if that something is less than ideal, which I think is an important factor to consider. That's right. And I, I, you know, you would be hard pressed to say like, there's no, there's not a dime's worth of difference between a world in which Robin Voss says, well, your pension problems, good luck. Uh, right. And a world in which he says, uh, okay, well, I'm going to give you, you know, access to an opportunity to, right. uh, you know, have, have a sales tax referendum that might solve your, you know, problems if it passes. Right. Um, you know, there is a difference between those things. There's a difference between a 10% increase in shared revenue uh, over what you're getting now and nothing. Yeah. But the the fact that the, if we're thinking about this in bargaining terms, right. what are the starting positions of the different players? Voss is obviously status quo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can imagine that the city and the county is like, well, it would be nice to have the deal that more or less existed between 1976 and 2003, mm-hmm. where we were on par with most other major cities in terms of our, you know, access to state revenue, which was really important because we didn't have these other sources. Um, and by the way, we are, you know, more or less like home rule, like units of government. And, you know, so then the question is like, you know, what what shakes out in the balance? And, and obviously this is a deal that's really on Boss's terms. Yes. And by the way, in in the in the process of, of getting it, like they got the RNC to come to Milwaukee, which yep. I, I think you have to see as a uh, as part of the as an informal part of the kind of pre bargaining. I think it's a huge component of the overall reset. Yes, exactly. Um, so the so then the but I think the the fact that it's still really. On Voss's terms, yes, uh, illustrates something about the sort of political structure of the state, which hasn't. I mean, so there's been a reset in terms of, you know, city and county here because, yeah. Yeah, unlike the state, we have like something that more is closely akin to like a representative democracy, <laughs> uh, you know. But but in the state, you what know, a concept! Like yeah. right, it's crazy. But in the state, you don't really have even the the threat of a potential. 
right. reset in the state legislature, right? That's a not lot as, of power. Not as of now, of course. And so that's the, and I think that's the sort of political calculation Voss is making is like, okay, I have the ability to make a take it or leave it offer. Yeah. So I'm going to, like, there are very few conditions under which the, the people I'm bargaining with aren't going to take it. Yeah. Um, and so... That's yeah, ultimately the thing. That I think that we've been going through this process, you and I, to try to figure out what's in this bill. You've been doing all this in-depth analysis to figure out what the bill is, how it would work, what it would do. And, but I think at the end of the day, this is the type of bill that we kind of don't have a chance, a choice not to take it, right? Well, yeah, that, I, I, because I, I think because, because I think the, the downside of, of not taking a deal with the state, of not having this shared revenue reform pass is that the city is going to fall off those fiscal cliffs. There, you know, the, the city of Milwaukee just went through this exercise where they looked at what cuts would look like between 10 and 25 percent uh, of the overall city budget and which, which departments would bear the brunt of that. And they determined that the three departments that would have the biggest cuts in that would be the police department, the fire department, and the libraries. And they're talking about basically a 25 percent cut with that would mean uh, you know, more than half of all fire stations in the city would be closed. Uh, ten library branches would be closed. Uh, a city police district would be closed, and about a thousand jobs would be eliminated. And that's just the city. And so I think the downs—you have to understand the downside of not taking some sort of deal here is that the city is headed towards right. bankruptcy. And, and in, a, in the classic kind of bargaining setup, this is Voss's calculation. It's the yeah. last round of the game, and yes. you can't punish me. You have nothing to punish me with, and so here you go. Take it or leave it, right? right. The, the question, right, is if that ends up being the deal. Right. It does mean, I mean, it's not without trade-offs, right, for the city. It means giving up, more or less, the civilian control of, of the fire and police uh, commission. Of the fire and police it's huge. Commission. It's huge. I mean, and you got to ask the question. Okay, well, what is okay? Well, what does accountability look like in the environment where you don't have that? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's the next round. I mean, it isn't really the last round of the game in that sense because then cities, lo- local governments are going to be forced to think about. Okay, what do we do with that? The second thing to think about is. Uh, it's not necessarily the last round of the game because you still got to pass the damn referendum, right? Right. That's and a then, big issue too. They're requiring a public referendum. So you got to take it to voters, and to they're going to have to voters, approve, yeah. approve the sales tax increase, which is, you know, it's not necessarily a foregone conclusion. I mean, well, and, and, and Kevlar Johnson has pushed back on this a little bit, saying that he would prefer for the Common Council to vote on the city's component component of this. And I think, given the structure <clears throat> of this type of deal. Of, of the sales tax being that it is specifically tied to the pension debt and it is set to retire or right. sunset after that, that pension debt is is paid off and many of the uh, public employees are transitioned into the state pension system instead of the city pension system. Uh, you know, it makes for a really tricky ask because when, when in, the, in the years leading up to this, you know, especially at the county level, it's just like, hey, we're going to raise the sales tax to pay for parks to pay for transit, to right. pay for the types of things that you yourself as right. a citizen of Milwaukee County are using. Now, to pay off the pension debt of retired employees who you don't see and don't know, but you know, but 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 this is a huge part of, you know, the overall mix for city government. It makes it a more difficult 
dynamic. There's going to be ha- there's going to have to be some very uh, elegant argumentation about what this means for the future, right? Yeah. What does it mean for our ability to recruit people if we can't honor our commitment, you know, like and, and deal with it? So I, I there's that. I mean, the other thing to think about is like it's not the last round of the game in the sense that. Um, a lot of there are a lot of preemptions and a lot of new requirements and regulations in this bill, mm-hmm. and you know how they jibe with the way that our state constitution and our state statutes envision home rule isn't entirely clear to you know. Yeah. And I think the one thing, and and I'll just you know say people should read Scott Gordon's uh, great piece in Tone Madison on mm-hmm. this is that like okay, there's going to be a new. Sub- you know, state Supreme Court. New majority. Uh, yep. The the character of state legal doctrine is is, is in, intended to be it's much it's pretty fluid, mm-hmm. right? If, if mm-hmm. the, the last decade under you know sort of conservative rule in the Supreme Court have taught us anything, it's it's a pretty fluid uh, kind of legal structure, and so I think it sets up the question of like, all right, well, uh, what is the legal strategy for dealing with some of these? Could so you're saying could something at some point be brought to the state supreme court? Oh, I think there are a about number. the relationship of local and state government. Well, I mean, I think there are a number of provisions in this bill which you know have to be reviewed as to how they kind of yeah. square with. Um, obviously, like basically you know, every big bill in Wisconsin over the past decade plus has ended up in front of the state supreme a- a- court. Absolutely, like, it's too. sort of like as yeah. clear as day as you might think things are. There's a lot of ambiguities in the way that things interact with the existing body of law and the existing kind of underlying state constitution. You know, it's not entirely clear. This is a big law and, you know, there's been some analysis. Unfortunately, I think we've done more more of it than other people. I wish, you know, we didn't have to, but uh, here we are. Yeah, well, Uh, subscribe to the recombobulation area, folks. Exactly. Um, Help support the work we're doing. No no one else is doing. Wisconsin's... (laughs) premier think tank. Uh, but the, um, but I think that, uh, you know, I th- if, if the legislative bargaining scenario is, advan- is as advantageous to Voss as we have, I think, a lot of reasons to suspect, that, yeah. like, essentially Evers vetoes, but then if the scenario is like there's not enough votes for a veto override... Uh, or they're, they're, they have the votes for a veto override because nothing else, they're not going to, they, they basically said this is the last round of the game. Yeah. Um, then I think the, the question has to be, all right, well, wh- one, what is the kind of next, you know, uh, what does the next few years look like in terms of legal strategy, legislative strategy, and so yeah. on. There are a lot of other things uh, to consider. Definitely. Um, and so I think the important part right now is this bill is imperfect in many ways. It is deeply flawed and pretty bad. But right now I think it, it's the the work being done to make the sausage is this bill has to get better, like, before it passes. This yeah. bill has to get better in order for Evers to now, willingly be want, want to sign it yeah. and for Milwaukee officials to be on board and, and for people to be comfortable with this. I understand, you know, just the nature of compromise. Not everybody is going to agree on every point. But I think within, you know, whether there's an assembly vote next week, which appears, which yeah. we appear to be headed towards, I think this, Wednesday. I think in the course of our recording, I just got a Wheeler Report email. I think it okay. got out of committee without an amend- without any amendments. Okay. So, you know, it's basically if if there are changes 
they're, I don't think going to happen. I can't imagine they're going to happen in, in the assembly. I think it will probably have to happen have in, to the happen Senate, in the Senate, and that's Senate another par- important part of this too, because this is a bill that has been introduced by by the assembly, uh, the Republican majority in the assembly, uh, but. The comments that we've seen from some of the folks on the state Senate side have been not as just like enthusiastic. enthusiastic. Yeah. And I think, and by the way, there's there's opposition to this some of this legislation from like Republican local, like, yeah, deep, you know, deeply conservative local officials too. Paul Farrow and Waukesha, Waukesha County executive. Exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it because in a way, you know, yes, it is more. But in terms of whether or not it actually hits the target of what local governments are frankly owed given the old structure and what they need, it doesn't do, it doesn't do the job. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting when they introduced the bill at that press conference a couple of weeks ago, they're saying this is the largest, you know, increase in uh, funding to local government in, in whatever it is, like $1 more would be the largest (laughs) increase to local government. Like the the bar there is not high. Records record. Yeah. This is not uh, this is not like you know uh, some sort of world shattering amount that's coming down here. Also, it's like you do uh, know how to adjust for inflation, don't you? Right. Yeah, they've been uh, talking. <laughs> all, all Republicans have been talking about for the last year and a half is inflation, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, some, like, somehow get that, that part. BLS calculator, my man. Yeah, like, exactly. Um, and so obviously the bill needs to get better, and I think whether whether it's going to happen in the assembly, whether it's going to happen in the Senate, whether it's going to happen through a veto threat or an override or whatever, it has to get better in order for it to for it to pass. And I think that's kind of the that's moment right. that we're at right now. Absolutely, and then, and then that's the question that I I think we're anything I could say on it would be really really beyond speculative. But the, I think the question that is increasingly important, I think one of the reasons that motivated me to write pieces that are just essentially like what's in the bill (laughs) is like in order to know uh you know what people's red lines are right what they're not willing to bargain on what they are you have to have a clear sense of the legislation and and it it does it's not exactly an easy read (laughs) Um, (laughs) right so so but i think the, the clearer we are about kind of what's in it what isn't in it what the provisions that are in it mean um, you can get closer to, to trying to figure out or at least ask the right questions about what are people willing to sacrifice on? What aren't they willing to sacrifice on? Like, what is the core of what we're trying to do? Because I think the, the, my, my biggest problem, I think I have a lot of problems with this, this as, as a matter of like political process, but my biggest problem with the way that this whole thing has been framed is that it's like it's been framed as if it's just like, oh, we're just going to hit reset on the old formula and like, you know, we're going to update it. Right. It's not going to be that much, but but it's really not just that, right? It's a big. It represents something like a different philosophy of what exactly the state's doing with respect to local governments and like, you know, how much power it should have. And it's not just a funding bill. No, it's not. Yeah. And 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 I think the the problem is like it's still being talked about as if it is. Yeah. And. It's not. Um, and so it's just like, let's be transparent about philosophically what yeah. we think needs to happen here or what we don't want to happen here uh, and so on. Like, that seems like an important missed, missed uh, character of this. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see kind of where things go uh, as this that, continues to make it through the capital of Madison. That's a sentence I feel like I've said many, many a time. It's interesting to see. It will be interesting to see. It's true. It, I mean, and it's, 
it's such a big, important thing. And I've been writing about this at the Recombibulation. I launched the Recombibulation area in the it, late summer 2019. And hey, the, second, the second piece that I wrote at I the Recombibulation yes. area was about the looming fiscal crisis yeah. that the county was facing. And, you know, here we are four years later, nothing's happened, but we, nothing in reality has happened, but the process has dramatically changed. And the, and the lines of this have changed. And the fact that we are this close to having some sort of reform, as imperfect and flawed as it is, I think is progress. But I think as we go this last mile, we have to get it right. Have That's to, right. have to, have to get it right. Yeah, and I think it's like part of getting it right is being very clear about like what does this actually mean for your local government? Yeah. What does it mean for the streets? What does it mean for the parks? What does it mean for the the libraries? So like all of this stuff that makes a place a place. Um, it, it, it's not this... Uh, quite unfortunately, you say, oh, shared revenue bill, and people's eyes blaze over. Right. But it's like the lifeblood. You know, yeah. like state shared revenue is like the second largest source of revenue for local governments. Yeah. And so it means it affects everything. It's huge. No matter what issue you care about, the, this this bill is going to touch it Absolutely. in some way. Uh, so it's going to be really important that we continue to follow the details of this bill as the sausage gets made. I would encourage everyone listening to this podcast, if you haven't already, uh, read Phil's three pieces on the bill. Maybe we'll have more in the coming days. That might depend on what exactly happens uh, with votes next week, Uh, but we'll be following in closely at the Recombibulation Area. Phil, this was great to to sit down and talk with you about this. A real pleasure. All right, thanks so much. All right.